0: Welcome to another episode of the MIA All Day Podcast. This is your host, Carlos Leto. It's been a while. I uh, left you out on an episode for about three weeks, but the fans have called. They've called out to me. They've asked me for an episode. My man Daniel on Twitter, it meld, it's uh, at I-T-M-E-D-L-T, almost like a B-L-T from Mickey D's, um, called out for me and said uh, Manny and I needed to drop a podcast um, so I'm doing mine first, dropping it tonight, and and soothing those those uh, those desires, quenching that thirst for another podcast. So what are we going to talk about today? And we're not going to do March Madness, uh, although you know my tournament was looking great, my bracket was was looking great there, the gut slash guest bracket, up until the final four where my national championship national champion lost and everything went downhill. So no more March Madness talk. Aside from the fact that not many of you were into it, but the performance of my bracket now here down the stretch, uh, I basically pulled a Coach 30 where I peed down my leg. Uh, I'm not an athlete. I'm scared. And uh, just insert insult about my mother in this in this section. So anyway, what I am going to talk about are the top five differences between uh, this program run by Mario Cristobal and by Manny Diaz previously. And the things that are coming out of the spring practice that, that have really sort of resonated with me and things that I've seen um, or heard not really seen because I can't see anything um, about the program and what's been going on ever since Mario took over here and what spring looks like. So without further ado, top five differences between Mario Cristobal and Manny Diaz running this hurricane program. So let's start off at number one. Attention to detail. And, and what I mean by that, I mean, um, a lot of the things that I'm hearing and I'm reading about this coaching staff is that they focus intensely on the details. They don't mess around when it comes to uh, guys making mistakes, guys not being in the right place, guys missing assignments, even things as small as being on time to meetings that might have been looked over in the past. We know Manny Diaz wasn't the greatest disciplinarian. You know, we've all heard that story about uh, Jaron Williams – going out, uh, getting drunk, being high the night before the FIU game, still being allowed to start, uh, throwing a hissy fit before the Pitt game or being out before the Pitt game because he was, uh, you know, I don't know, he got pissed off in practice or whatever, and then being, being inserted mid-game to try and lead us back and get the W or getting the W against Pitt. Um, and just other issues that the program has had from a disciplinary standpoint. They have not looked uh, disciplined on or off the field uh, under Manny Diaz. And they lacked sort of that that intense focus that's required to, to get you over the top. So how, how is that different now with, with Mario Cristobal? Well, for one thing, um, the size of the coaching staff. So you've got your 10 on-field coaches and you've got all these analysts around the side. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because you're not only getting the on-field instruction, but you're also getting that attention to detail off the field. Working one-on-one with these analysts, going through your, your, your individual technique to better yourself um and really get better and honed in on your craft so there's only so much time you have on uh, during a, a regular football practice to go through drills and go through individual and a lot of colleges have actually universities have gotten away from doing individual drills and if they do them it's very quickly just like a warm-up and then they jump right into into practice because of the the short amount of time they have to be able to get things done during a practice So in a high school, you'll have time to do some individual, and even that time's a little bit short. But in college now, what they prefer to do is warm up during doing individual drills, and then get into group and team activities. Do the teaching there and the corrections while you're running through your scheme, and that can work. But the problem with that is, is like I said, you're not getting the attention to detail that you need to be able to grow as a player. I mean, they can tell you, you know, correct where you're wrong in the scheme or what how you're not playing something correctly, Um, but it's different when. You need help on, okay, you know, am I coming off the right foot as a defensive end? How am I using my hands to attack the offensive lineman? What moves should I use to counter when an offensive lineman comes at me in a certain way? As an offensive lineman, you know, how do I, what's the best way to position my post leg? How do I use, do I punch? Do I, do I, um, do I immediately shoot my hands? Do I wait to catch? What do I do? Right? So there's, there's different ways to get at it. And I think the the additional coaches on staff, especially having a guy like Jason Taylor, who's a Hall of Famer for the defensive line, you know, having Ed Reed there with the secondary, and all these additional st- analysts on the staff, will help these kids really grow as players because you're going to see a big jump in their technique, and that's what makes the big difference, the big leap from you know in player progression, which is something we've seen in the past that has not happened here. In Miami under Manny Diaz and even Mark Richt was player development. You know, these guys get on the field. And they seem to regress because their, their technique is not – their fundamentals, they're not being developed. They're not fundamentally sound. They're not growing their technique. Um, as a wide receiver, they're not learning how to use different releases to beat guys off the line of scrimmage, how to best use their leverage and their stemming of the, of the routes to get open and taking advantage of a, of a defensive back alignment and coverage and their leverage. So, you know, having that coaching staff helps, that size, that matters. Size matters at least my wife tells me it does not but i mean hey whatever We're for football here for coaching staffs it does so anyway the other thing is they they've set a high standard here for these guys it's now expected that you are going there's going to be a lot demanded of you right there's a lot more accountability now than there was in the past um, and i'm going to get to that later but it's it's you could see what they're looking for what you get from reading about it and hearing about it on different podcasts is uh you could see that they're looking for for guys that are willing to do it their way and willing to push through the adversity that they're creating during practices and the intensity of it to fight through, to get to where they want to be. Um, and it's basically everything has to be earned and it has to be earned through, um, doing what the coaches ask you to do. And it's, it's everything from being in the meetings early, not on time early, um, you know, running things the right way, doing things the right way, you know, schematically. And you're seeing that a lot, um not just in in the way things are being run in practice but really the way the program is being run and from the moment mario crystal ball got hired you've heard one phrase out of his mouth almost every interview he's done every time he's touched the microphone anytime he's made a public statement all you hear is how you do anything is how you do everything and that's really a code that he's living by and he's trying to embody that in the way he runs his program and his practices and you know you can even see it like in the difference in in the way these schemes are going to be run. Um Kevin Steele's defense is a lot more gap sound, a lot more detail-oriented, a lot more fundamental and fundamentally sound than Manny Diaz's defense. Not saying that Manny Diaz's defense wasn't good. I mean, when it, you have the right players, it works. The problem is when you are predicating your defense on creating tackles for loss, pushing upfield and getting destroying the line of scrimmage, pushing that back, and trying to get in the backfield as quickly as possible, if you get blocked or you get pushed past the play, then you're going to leave holes open for for big-time runs, like we saw against North Carolina two years ago. Um, So the difference is here, you're going to see a guy like Kevin Steele, make sure his guys are in the right spots, but not only are they going to be in the right spots, but they're going to be there and and attack physically and be violent at the point of attack and be in the right spot but make their presence known. And I think that's the same thing with the Gaddis offense. I think a Gaddis offense is going to require defenses that are playing that offense to be fundamentally sound and gap sound and assignment sound because if they're not, his alignments, his motions, his, his, his use of uh, pulling offensive linemen and you know, taking shots downfield will make them pay. So I think that's number one, is attention to detail. All right, number two is going to be accountability. I discussed this a little bit in, in number one, and I think it lends itself well to like, pairing up together. Um, like I said, everything, everything is supposed to be earned. Everything is expected to be earned here on the field. And uh, because there's so many eyes on you and there's such a standard being set and everybody's being held to that standard and in everything you do, that standard is being held uh, and you're being accountable to that standard. It means that you can't hide anymore. You know, when you've got so many analysts and so many coaches and and so many guys and they're all doing it the same way and they all expect you to do it the same way and they've set that bar for you. um, If you're not meeting it, you're going to be sticking out like a sore thumb. And that's what accountability is about. They expect you to do your job and to do the things the way they want you to do it. And if you don't, then at the end of the day, you might not be around at the end of the this, this spring, right? You might not be the fit, a fit for this program moving forward. And I think Mario's really, really hammering that home in the way he does things. So that attention to detail, number two, accountability sort of lend each other, sort of play hand in hand. Um, there's no more getting away with, you know, being a guy that can, you know, just go out there and, and, and jump on the field and play not having done the things they needed to do during the week in the classroom, everywhere else, uh, and not be accountable in all aspects and all phases of what they expected to be as a football player. So I think the accountability aspect has, has really shifted in this program. And again, it goes back to the whole thing about Mario saying how you do anything is how you do everything. He's expecting these guys to do things the right way uh, and the way this coaching staff has taught them so far how to do it. And it's not like they're, they're little kids. They're not going to be beating them over the head with it. They let them know this is what we want. This is what we expect. If you can do it, good. If not, you got to move on, bro. You know what? Hit the eject button and get out. Hit that portal. Um, you might see, speaking of which, you might see a lot of guys hitting that portal button pretty soon at the end of the spring because it might not be for them. They might just throw their hands up and be like, this is too much. This isn't for me. Although what I've heard so far what I've read is, you know, the guys are really embracing this. This is something... Uh, that they've been that they enjoy that they love the the intensity um the accountability, the attention to detail detail of the staff, and what they bring to them because they know it's gonna make them better football players it's gonna be make make them a better team and in turn it's going to help them in the long run if they have aspirations to play in the NFL you know the harder they're pushed, the better they're developed, the greater chance they have of making money down the road so it's something where it's you know it's it's kind of like uh being a classroom teacher my My wife tells me this all the time. Like, if you um, expect kids to not be, uh, to not take well to discipline or not take well to structure, then you're going to have a circus in a classroom. It's not going to work out. But if you establish the rules from day one, which is what she always does, establish the rules from day one, make it clear, hold everybody accountable, and make sure that you hold them to that standard every day, eventually you'll see these kids like that. They like the structure. They like the discipline. They like to be put in a position where the, not only do they know um what's expected of them but they know that it, this is being done for their benefit and they see the difference in how things run and are and operate so it's easier to learn in an environment where things are disciplined and structured than in this just sort of helter skelter and all over the place so there you go that's number two accountability Five. on to number three one of the things i keep hearing and reading about is the pace and intensity of practice so this is good. Um, you know, apparently practice was a lot more laid back uh, under Manny Diaz. You would hear music blasting throughout the entire practice. Guys were sort of walking back and forth between stations. That shit ain't flying no more, baby. Mario's got these guys sprinting from drill to drill. They're expected to be on the hop at all times when they're moving around the practice field. Um, there is no music in practice. There is no IPF right now unless it's absolutely necessary, unless there's lightning and they have to go indoors. They are practicing outside. Unless there's a monsoon and they'd want to get that work in. Uh, so they go inside, they are staying out there and practicing in the heat. And really, that's something that that struck me about Manny Diaz, that he loved practicing in the IPF. Uh, that's the indoor practice facility, if you are not aware of the acronym. Um, because the advantage down here is, you know, the weather. Uh, you know, it's humid, it's hot, it's, it's difficult to deal with if you are not accustomed to it. But if you practice it and you're used to it, it becomes sort of a driving force. And by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, especially early in the season, you will end up dominating teams down the stretch because of your physical conditioning. And a lot of that was lost. And I think the Dolphins lost some of that too when they put their practice bubble up. Um, you know, that, that that natural advantage of being in this environment, this this weather, um, this humidity, this climate, goes away when you start practicing indoors in the air conditioning. And, and it's stupid to me. I, I just don't understand why they would do that unless it was necessary. Yeah, it's a great facility. Use it for other things. Don't use it just for everyday practice, okay? If you need to use it for practice because of weather conditions, because it doesn't let you be, you can't be outside because it's, so, it's raining so hard, you can't get any plays off, you can't get any work in or if there's lightning, go inside and, and, and do, do, do practice in the IPF, all right? Handle practice in the IPF. If not, get your ass out there in the heat, you know, sweat it out, let it be muggy and make these guys take it to a different level because once they are able to overcome that and when I've read Manny Diaz uh Manny Diaz Manny Diaz Manny's gonna love that Manny Navarro's article recently and it talked about guys throwing up during practice which which hasn't been seen in a long time by some of the guys that you know former players and coaches that have come around and watched practice in the past you know that's that may seem like something trivial and small but the the battle of trying to overcome one's one's self one's limitations self self self-placed limitations uh pushing yourself mentally and physically to another level and breaking through to the other side makes a huge difference and it develops character it develops athleticism obviously if you're out there in the heat but more than anything it develops confidence and that's that's what's been missing here is the the small victories that add up to the larger ones so that overcoming Those things that you never thought were possible, that were impossible to surmount and overcome and breaking through to that other side and gaining the confidence to feel like you can do anything. And I think that's part of the intensity and the physical conditioning and the pace of practice, because it's 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 about training yourself um, to be able to hit another gear, to reach another level, to know that when you feel like you have nothing left, there's still a little bit more to draw from and you could still push past things that you think are not possible to surpass um it's really it's it's a really a mental conditioning as well it's all about creating the sort of adversity um in practice and in everything you do to so when games roll around it's easy and that's what the teams of the 80s and 90s used to talk about all the time kelvin talks about it all the time too it's practices were hard games were easier because the games were just about having fun practice was where you had to earn it each day and you had to physically will yourself to get to the end of that practice and, and and win every rep to be able to get on that field Saturday and be able to perform and enjoy it with your boys. And that's what it's all about. So there you go. That is number three, the pace and intensity. Number four, Mario's evolution as a coach. And I think this is highlighted very well in the last article that Manny Navarro, not Manny Diaz, uh, wrote in, in the Athletic if you if you can, please, if you're not a, if you're not subscribing to the athletic, you might as well, you know, slap yourself in the face right now. Okay. Will Smith yourself right now. Act like uh, you know, you're Chris Rock. You just talked about Jada Pickett, talking about her and G.I. Jane, G.I. Jane too. Slap yourself in the face and walk off. Uh, but use better form than Will Smith, because that was kind of a weird slap with the overhand rotation. I don't It looked more like it was trying to throw a curveball than slap the guy in the face. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is you need to subscribe to the athletic to get all the content they have available. It's amazing. Um, I'm a subscriber. I don't get paid for this. They don't sponsor me, although they should. Um, but Manny, Manny wrote a great article, Manny Navarro, uh, about what former players and coaches that have come out to practice um, have seen and, and the differences between what's going on, um, be at UM now as opposed to the past with Manny Diaz and uh, Mark Richt. And one of the things they somebody talked about was – Mario's evolution as a coach, you know, or I think there was a reference made to Mario being a bull in a China shop before and just being very aggressive and and intense and a good coach, but just rough around the edges. Um, not there yet. And I think what ended up happening is when Mario went to learn from Nick Saban, learn from the best, he learned a different way of doing things. He only knew the Miami way for a while. He, he went to go coach with Greg Schiano, but Schiano was at Miami for a while. Um, and it was very similar to to the way things were being run with the Hurricanes. So I think getting that different feel and learning from the best, really, in the game right now, Nick Saban uh, helped Mario take his coaching to a different level. But I think the thing that makes Mario Mario is not only did he learn from Nick Saban, because he's not a carbon copy of Nick Saban. He learned from Nick Saban, took that, and mixed it in with what he learned at Miami, what he learned under Jimmy Johnson, what he learned with Butch Davis, what he learned with those coaching staffs, and with Greg Schiano, even, what he learned from his experiences at FIU and mixing all that together has made him who he is. So I think where you see other Nick Saban disciples maybe having success um, and, and really trying to mirror his program, um, Mario does that to an extent, but he also mixes in something that nobody else has, which is that, that 80s, 90s Miami feel um, and knowing the program so well and the history of it and what it took to win, and fusing that with what he learned from Nick Saban, which makes him so potent so dangerous now as a coach, I think. And I think that's what what attracted a lot of guys to come coach with him, not only because, you know, obviously with a 10-year contract, you know, these guys feel very comfortable with their job security. They know they're not going anywhere, so they might as well come coach with Mario because then they're going to be there for a while, and they can use that as a springboard because they know they got at least three four years for themselves, let alone Mario. Uh, but I think the other thing is, you know, guys gravitate towards – that Nick Saban coaching tree, because they want to learn Saban's way. But I think they also want to learn the Miami way. And I think a lot of people will not admit to it, but many people admired and envied Miami in the 80s and 90s as coaches, as players, and uh, mainly because they wanted to be a part of it and never got a chance to. And I think some of these coaches feel excited about being a part of this program because of the storied history, because of Mario's connection to it, um, Mario's passion for it, and what he's learned and what he's brought from Nick Saban over to it. And mixing that in with what he learned as a player and as a young coach here at Miami. So I think that mix that Mario's put together, that mega mix, is going to be the overriding factor in, in creating success at this, at this program long term. Um, but I think the main thing, obviously, is you know his passion for the program. Um, he loves this program deeply. And because he bled for it, he, he fought for it, and he earned everything he got on that field. Uh, and he went to the mountaintop and knows what it's like. So that's going to lead us into number five, which is going to be respect. So let's transition to that. All right. Number five, respect. What am I talking about? When I say respect, I'm not talking about Aretha Franklin. No, I'm not singing the song. No, I'm not talking about Birdman asking to put some respect on his name. What I'm talking about is, you know, it's, it's Mario Cristobal walked in here into this program with a certain level of respect, a certain level of, um, you know, presence that l- was lacking under Manny Diaz, and it's not necessarily Manny's fault, right? I mean, let's let's be honest. It's difficult to do what he's done to come from a background where you didn't play college football, where you're you know a little dude, um, and have to earn everything on your knowledge of the game and and sh- proving yourself over and over and over again. Um, Mario, on the other hand, already came in with. One, you know, coaching head coaching experience at the Power Five level. i mean, at Oregon. Um, being a Miami guy, being able to point to himself in the in the pictures where the championship teams are, being able to show off his rings, being able to talk to uh, and about the way the Hurricane way and the way things were done. Um, Mario knows this program intimately, more intimately than most people can can ever imagine, and. More than than anybody that's coached here before, probably other than maybe Randy Shannon. Um, so it's it's a little different uh, for him coming in as opposed to what Manny D is in. But then at the same time, you see a guy like like uh, Alex Mirabal come in, who's a smaller guy too, smaller than Manny, but commands respect and commands a player's attention. Uh, coaching probably the biggest bodies in the field, the offensive line. So I think it's there's something about them both. I think the way they carry themselves, uh, the way they act, the way they teach, I think all of that goes a long way in earning respect of your players and and, and the guys that are going to go to war for you. And I think number one, from probably number one, um, the number one thing that creates all of that is – you know, transparency, honesty, being genuine, being authentic. And I think that's what Mario is. When Mario is intense, when Mario uh, rips somebody's rip somebody a new one, he's not doing it from a phony perspective because he feels like that's what a coach would do in that situation. He's doing it from a place uh, of, of total authentic and genuine uh, desire to improve the player and get things right. When you see Mario giving a speech to his team, it comes from a place of authenticity and and realism and experience where in other times it might be coming from another coach from a place of, you know, hypothetical and and things that he thinks players want to hear or should a coach should say, whereas Mario has been there and done it. And I think the, the guys he has on staff also have been around the block. They've done a lot of things. Uh, they've, they've earned their respect through the things that they've done and they've accomplished earning their way up the ranks in college football. Um, but I think the number one thing that Mario looks for as a coach is that authenticity and two, that ability to communicate to players. And I think that goes a long way. Being able to communicate with players, being honest, being genuine, being authentic, allows you to demand more because they know where you're coming from. They know you're coming from a good place, from a place that, um, if you are truly wanting the best for them is a place that they are, that they accept that sort of tough love from, as opposed to maybe someone who plays games, uh, someone who says one thing and does another, uh, as we used to call it, where I'm from, talking out of both sides of your mouth, like that's thats not something that players like or people in general. L- nobody likes that. So when you're dealing with somebody that, that, that comes at you in a real way, in an honest way, in an authentic way, even if it's, it's tough love, even if it's hard, um, you're willing to accept it more. You're willing to listen to it because you know it's real. And if there's someone that says they care about you and they've proven that, it's easier to take that sort of uh, coaching, that tough coaching and use it to get better because you know it's coming from a place of nothing but love and nothing but respect and nothing but wanting the best for you. And I think that may be the biggest difference between Mario and Manny Diaz. I think it's that level of respect he commands when he walks in a room, uh, the level of respect he commands when he speaks to his players, the level of respect he commands when he talks to recruits and parents. And it's not because he's he's putting off this fake bravado or, or trying to come in looking tough he just gives that era off of like air off of this guy is real this is what he's about and he's not lying to you when he talks to you and that's always this is the way it's going to be and if you like it that's great if you don't then maybe we're not the program for you but we love to have you and this is how we run how we run things here and this is how we think you'll fit um and i think that no bs stuff that no bs attitude um the honesty and authenticity go a long way and i think it's going to carry this program forward so i'm excited there's your top five. Uh, thank you guys for hanging in there with me again. Please subscribe to the, the athletic, uh, go check out Manny Navarro's new article, which is fantastic. It'll really go into detail and in depth about what I was just talking about here today. And, uh, you know, let's, let's look out for some more articles from Manny. Let's look forward to that spring game coming up and hopefully I'll hit you with a podcast before June. I think so. I think I'll hit you with another one, maybe in a week or two. All right. If some news pops up before then I'm on it. I'll jump on this microphone right away. All right. Tax season is coming to a close, so your boy's got a little bit more time coming up. As soon as I get that, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. So uh, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Looking forward to hearing back from you guys. Uh, Next time, I'll probably do some Twitter questions, so start lining those up. Or if you want to hit me with some questions on Twitter, uh, just at any point, feel free. I'm happy to answer. I don't know why you want my opinion, but I'm happy to answer. Maybe my boy Raul also will make an appearance next next, uh, episode. All right. Have a good night. Peace. Oh, 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 oh oh, 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 oh